Chapter Two of the Legends and Myths of Hawaii. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends and Myths of Hawaii by King David Kalakaua. Hawaiian Legends Introduction Part Two. The Tabu. Strictly speaking, the ancient tabu or kapu was a prerogative adhering exclusively to political and ecclesiastical rank it was a command either to do or not to do and the meaning of it was obey or die it was common to the polynesian tribes and was a protection to the lives property and dignity of the priesthood and nobility the religious taboos were well understood by the people as were also the personal or perpetual taboos of the ruling families but the incidental taboos were oppressive irksome and dangerous to the masses as they were liable to be thoughtlessly violated and death was the usual penalty everything pertaining to the priesthood and temples was sacred or taboo and pigs designed for sacrifice and running at large with the temple mark upon them could not be molested it was a violation of perpetual taboo to cross the shadow of the king to stand in his presence without permission or to approach him except upon the knees this did not apply to the higher grades of chiefs who themselves possessed taboo rights favorite paths springs streams and bathing places were at intervals tabooed to the exclusive use of the kings and temples and squid turtle and two or three species of birds could be eaten only by the priests and taboo nobility yellow was the taboo colour of royalty and red of the priesthood and mantles of the feathers of the oo and mamu could be worn only by kings and princes feather capes of mingled red and yellow distinguished the lesser nobility women were tabooed from eating plantains bananas and coconuts also the flesh of swine and certain fish among them the kumu moano ulua honu ea hahalua and naya and men and women were allowed under no circumstance to partake of food together hence when liholiho in eighteen nineteen openly violated this fundamental taboo by eating with his queen he defied the gods of his fathers and struck at the very foundation of the religious faith of his people the general taboos declared by the supreme chief or king were proclaimed by heralds while the pululu a staff surmounted by a crown of white or black kappa placed at the entrance of temples royal residences and the mansions of taboo chiefs or beside springs groves paths or bathing places was a standing notification against trespass general taboos were declared either to propitiate the gods or in celebration of important events they were either common or strict and frequently embraced an entire district and continued from one to ten days during the continuance of a common taboo the masses were merely required to abstain from their usual occupations and attend the services at the haiaus or temples but during a strict taboo every fire and every light was extinguished no canoe was shoved from the shore no bathing was permitted 
the pigs and fowls were muzzled or placed under calabashes that they might utter no noise the people conversed in whispers and the priests and their assistants were alone allowed to be seen without their places of abode it was a season of deathly silence and it was thought to be especially grateful to the gods some of the royal taboos centuries back in the past were frivolous and despotic such as regulating the wearing of beards and compelling all sails to be lowered on passing certain coast points but however capricious or oppressive the taboo was seldom violated and its maintenance was deemed a necessary protection to the governing classes ancient hawaiian religion the ancient religion of the hawaiians of which the taboo formed an essential feature was a theocracy of curious structure it was a system of idolatrous forms and sacrifices engrafted without consistency upon the jewish story of the creation the fall of man the revolt of lucifer the deluge and the repopulation of the earth the legends of the hawaiians were preserved with marvellous integrity their historians were the priests who at intervals met in council and recited and compared their genealogical meles in order that nothing might be either changed or lost how did the hawaiian priesthood become possessed of the story of the hebrew genesis it was old to them when the resolution and discovery dropped their anchors in kialakiakua bay old to them when one or more chance parties of spanish sailors in the sixteenth century may have looked in upon them for a moment while on their way to the spice islands and it was probably old to them when the hawaiians found their present home in the sixth century and when the polynesians left the coast of asia four hundred years earlier one theory is that the story was acquired through israelitish contact with the ancestors of the polynesians while the latter were drifting eastward from the land of their nativity but the more reasonable assumption seems to be that the hawaiian theogony so strangely perpetuated is an independent and perhaps original version of a series of creation legends common in the remote past to the cushite semite and aryan tribes and was handed down quite as accurately as the jewish version before it became fixed in written characters in fact in some respects the hawaiian seems to be more complete than the jewish version from the beginning according to hawaiian story a trinity of gods existed who were the sole and all-pervading intelligences of chaos or night a condition represented by the hawaiian word po these gods were kane the originator ku the architect and builder and lono the executor and director of the elements by the united will of hikapaloa or the trinity light was brought into chaos they next created the heavens three in number as their dwelling places and then the earth sun moon and stars from their spittle they next created a host of angels to minister to their wants finally man was created his body was formed of red earth mingled with the spittle of carne and his head of whitish clay brought by lono from the four quarters of the earth the meaning of adam is red and it will be remarked that the hawaiian adam was made of earth of that colour he was made in the image of carne who breathed into his nostrils and he became alive afterwards from one of his ribs 
taken from his side while he slept, a woman was created. The man was called Kumuhonua, and the woman Keola Kuhonua. The newly created pair were placed in a beautiful paradise called Paliuli. Three rivers of the waters of life ran through it, on the banks of which grew every inviting fruit, including the tabooed breadfruit tree and sacred apple tree, with which are connected the fall and expulsion of the man and woman from their earthly paradise. The three rivers had their source in a beautiful lake, fed by the living waters of Kane. The waters were filled with fish which fire could not destroy, and on being sprinkled with them the dead were restored to life. Legends relate instances in which these waters were procured, through the favour of the gods, for the restoration to life of distinguished mortals. As a specimen of the chance perpetuating these traditions and embellishing the plainer prose recitals, the following extract relating to the creation is given. Kane of the Great Knight, Ku and Lono of the Great Knight, Hikapaloa the King, the tabooed knight that is set apart, the poisonous night, the barren, desolate night, the continual darkness of midnight, the night, the reviler. O Kane, O Kukapau, and great Lono dwelling in the water, brought forth our heaven and earth, quickened, increased, moving, raised up into continents. Kane, lord of night, lord the father. Kukapau, in the hot heavens, great Lono with the flashing eyes, Lightning-like has the Lord established in truth, O Kane, master worker. The Lord creator of mankind, start, work, bring forth the chief Kumuhonua and Olakuhonua, the woman. Dwelling together are they two. Dwelling in marriage is she with the husband, the brother. Among the angels created was Kanaloa, the Hawaiian Lucifer, who incited a rebellion in heaven, with the results, strangely enough, related in immortal song by Milton. When man was created, Kanaloa demanded his adoration. This was refused by Kane, as angels and man were alike the creations of deity, whereupon Kanaloa ambitiously resolved to create a man of his own who would worship him. Kane allowed him to proceed with his seditious work. He made a man in the exact image of Kumu Honua, but could not give it life. He breathed into its nostrils, but it would not rise. He called to it, but it would not speak. This exasperated him, and he determined to destroy the man made by the gods. He therefore crept into Peliuli in the form of a mu, or lizard, and through some deception not definitely stated by tradition, Kumu Honua and his mate committed some offence for which they were driven from paradise by the large white bird of Kane. Kumu Honua had three sons, the second of whom was slain by the first. The name of the Hawaiian Cain is Laka. Kapili was the youngest son, and thirteen generations are named between him and the deluge, whereas the Hebrew version records but ten in the corresponding line of Seth. The Hawaiian Noah is called Nu'u. At the command of the gods he constructed an ark, and entered it with his wife and three sons, and a male and female of every breathing thing. 
the waters came and covered the earth when they subsided the gods entered the ark which was resting on a mountain overlooking a beautiful valley and commanded nu'u to go forth with all of life that the ark contained in gratitude for his deliverance nu'u offered a sacrifice to the moon mistaking it for kane descending on a rainbow that deity reproved his thoughtlessness but left the bow as a perpetual token of his forgiveness continuing the genealogical record ten generations are given between nu'u and kupule who removed to a southern country taking with him as a wife his slave-woman ahu so was it with abraham kupule established the practice of circumcision and was the grandfather of kini lao amano whose twelve children became the founders of twelve tribes from one of which the menehune the hawaiians are made to descend a story similar to that of joseph is also given and mention is made of the subsequent return of the menehune people to the land set apart for their occupation by kane two brothers led them over deserts and through waters and after many tribulations they reached their destination this would seem to imply that the menehune people were one of the tribes of israel yet it is more probable that they had their origin in some one of the other twelve ships into which the early asiatic tribes were in many instances divided and that the stories of joseph and the exodus became a part of their folklore through contact with other races the genealogical line from the hawaiian adam to the grandson of kupule that is until the time of jacob has been brought down through three distinct traditional channels the agreement of the several versions is remarkable but the one brought to the islands by the high priest pau in the eleventh century and retained by his ecclesiastical successors is regarded as the most authentic it was an heirloom of the priesthood and was never communicated beyond the walls of the temples with the settlement of the menehune people in the land set apart for them by kane the hawaiian legends ceased to remind us of the later history of the hebrews there the similarity of historic incident abruptly ends and with an uncertain stride of twelve or thirteen generations the chiefly line is brought down to wakea and his wife papa mythical rulers of superhuman attributes who must have existed before the polynesians left the asiatic coast although in some legends they are connected not only with the first settlement of the hawaiian archipelago but with the creation of its islands a few of the many legends relating to the creation and first settlement of the islands will be noted one of them in substance is that hawaii loa a distinguished chief and fourth in generation from kini lao amanu sailed westward and guided by the pleiades discovered the hawaiian group he gave to the largest island his own name and to the others the names of his children another tradition refers to papa the wife of wakea as the tabooed descendant of hawaii loa and superior in caste to her husband mutual jealousies embittered their lives and led to strange events wakea found favor with the beautiful hina and the island of molokai was born of their embrace in retaliation papa smiled upon the warrior lua and the fruit of their meeting was the fair island of oahu hence the old names of molokai hina and oahu a lua 
quite as fanciful a legend relates that an immense bird laid an egg on the waters of the ocean it was hatched by the warm winds of the tropics and the hawaiian group came into being shortly after a man and woman with a pair each of dogs hogs and fowls came in a canoe from kahiki landed on the eastern coast of hawaii and became the progenitors of the hawaiian people fifty-six generations are mentioned from wakea to the present ruling family the legends of the twenty-nine generations covering the period between wakea and maweki which brings the record down to the eleventh century when the second migratory influx from the southern islands occurred abound in wars rebellions and popular movements in which giants demigods and even the gods themselves took part and it was doubtless during that period that the idolatrous forms and practices of the hawaiian religion as it existed a century ago were engrafted upon the older and simpler creed confined to the worship of the godhead when the high priest pao arrived with pili he introduced some new gods while recognizing the old strengthened and enlarged the scope of the taboo and established a hereditary priesthood independent of and second only in authority to the supreme political head different grades of priests also came into existence such as seers prophets astrologers and kahunas of various function including the power of healing and destroying in fact the priesthood embraced ten distinct grades or colleges each possessing and exercising powers peculiar to it and the mastery of all of them was one of the qualifications of the high priesthood the tutelar deity of the entire body was uli the form of the hiao or temple was changed by pao and his successors and the masses mingled less freely in the ceremonies of sacrifice and other forms of worship the high priesthood became more mysterious and exclusive and assumed prerogatives above the reach of royalty the old hawaiian trinity kane ku and lono remained the supreme gods of the pantheon but kanaloa the spirit of evil was accorded beneficent attributes and exalted among them the regions of po or death were presided over by milu a wicked king who once ruled on earth while the spirits of favorite chiefs were conveyed by the divine messenger kuahairo to the presence of kaonohiokala whose beatific abode was somewhere in the heavens another belief was that the ruler of po was manua and that milu did not follow akea the first king of hawaii to that place but dwelt in a region far westward and beneath the sea although significant of darkness po was not without light like tartarus it could be visited by favoured mortals and the dead were sometimes brought back from it to earth pele the dreadful goddess of the volcanoes with her malignant relatives was added to the hawaiian deities during the second influx from the south and temples were erected to her worship all over the volcanic districts of hawaii at that period were also introduced laamaumau the god of the winds the poison goddesses kalaipahoa and kapo and many other deities but the worship of the hawaiians was not confined to kane ku lono and pele 
high owls were erected to the war-gods of the kings and great sacrifices were frequently made to them generally of human beings preceding during and following campaigns and battles humbler temples were also maintained to fish shark lizard and other gods where sacrifices of fish and fruits were offered to the superstitious masses the land abounded in gnomes and fairies and the waters in nymphs and monsters whose caprices are themes of a bountiful store of folklore with almost every stream gorge and headland is connected some supernatural story and the bards and musicians of old earned an easy support by keeping alive these legends of the people to some supernatural powers were given and malignant and beneficent spirits assumed human forms and flitted among the palms in the guise of birds the people made their own household gods and destroyed them when they failed to contribute to their success for example at ninole on the southeast coast of hawaii is a small beach called kaloa the stones of which it was thought propagated by contact with each other from the large stones the people made gods to preside over their games when a stone was selected for a god it was taken to the hiao where certain ceremonies were performed over it it was then dressed and taken to witness some game or pastime if the owner was successful it was accepted as a god if unsuccessful more than once or twice it was thrown away or wrought into an axe or adze sometimes a stone of each sex was selected wrapped in kapa and laid away in time a small pebble was found with them it increased in size and was finally taken to the hayao and formally made into a god such is the story that is still told the people believed that the spirits of the departed continued to hover around their earthly homes and the shades of their ancestors were appealed to in prayer the owl and a bird called the ally were regarded as gods and scores of other deities controlling the elements or presiding over the several industries and amusements of the masses were recognized and placated with sacrifices when in unfavorable moods they had a god of the winds of the husbandman the warrior the canoe maker the hula dancer the distiller the orator the doctor and the sorcerer and many gods of the sailor and the fisherman the services of the high priest did not extend to these popular deities on any of the islands of the group the high hours over which he presided were dedicated either to the higher gods of the pantheon or to the war god of the king or supreme chief he was next to the king in authority and always of distinguished blood surrounded by seers prophets and assistants and claiming to hold direct intercourse with the gods he was consulted on all matters of state consequence and the auguries of the temple were always accepted with respect and confidence the high priest sometimes had charge of the war god of the king and in such cases went with it to the field of battle hua one of the ancient kings of maui defied the priesthood and slew his high priest as a warning to ruling chiefs the story of the consequences of hua's madness has come down with great conciseness through the chroniclers of the priesthood hua's kingdom became a desolation wherever he travelled all vegetation perished and he finally died of famine on hawaii and his bones were left to whiten in the sun 
there were several classes of priests or kahunas beside those who were connected with the temples they were seers doctors and dealers in enchantment and subsisted by preying upon the people through their superstitions all physical illness was attributed either to the anger of the gods witchcraft or the prayers of the malignant kahuna the afflicted person usually sent for a kahuna whose first business was to discover the cause of the malady through incantation this ascertained an effort was made to counteract the spells or prayers which were wearing away the life of the patient and sometimes with so great success that the affliction was transferred to the party whose malice had invoked it the belief that one person might be prayed to death by another was universal by the ancient hawaiians and not a few of the race would turn pale to-day if told that one priestly strain was earnestly praying for his death in praying a person to death it was essential that the kahuna should possess something closely connected with the person of the victim a lock of his hair a tooth a nail paring or a small quantity of his spittle for example hence the office of spittoon bearer to the ancient kings was entrusted only to chiefs of some rank who might be expected to guard with care the royal expectoration the belief was general that the spirits of the dead might be seen and conversed with by the kilos or sorcerers and the spirits of the living it was claimed were sometimes invoked from their slumbering tabernacles by priests of exceptional sanctity the spirit of the dead was called unihipili while the disembodied and visible spirit of a living person was known as a kahoaka of all the deities pele was held in greatest dread on the island of hawaii where volcanic eruptions were frequent with her five brothers and eight sisters all representing different elemental forces she dwelt in state in the fiery abysses of the volcanoes moving from one to another at her pleasure and visiting with inundations of lava such districts as neglected to cast into the craters proper offerings of meats and fruits or angered her in other respects one of her forms was that of a beautiful woman in which she sometimes sought human society and numerous legends of her affairs of love have been preserved she was regarded as a special friend of kamehameha i and the suffocation of a portion of the army of kiua near the crater of kilauea in seventeen ninety one was credited directly to her the last public recognition of the powers of pele occurred as late as eighteen eighty two on the island of hawaii the village of hilo was threatened a broad stream of lava from mauna loa after a devastating journey of twenty-five miles or more reached a point in its downward course within a mile or two of the bay of hilo its movement was slow like that of all lava streams some distance from their source but its steadily approaching line of fire rendered it almost certain that the village and perhaps the harbour of hilo would be destroyed within a very few days trenches were digged walls were raised and prayers were offered but all to no purpose downward moved the awful avalanche of fire ruth a surviving sister of the fourth and fifth kamehamehas was then living in honolulu she was a proud stern old chiefess who thought too little of the whites to attempt to acquire their language the danger threatening hilo was reported to her i will save the fish ponds of hilo said the old chiefess 
Pele will not refuse to listen to the prayer of a Kamehameha. She chartered a steamer, left Honolulu for Hilo with a large number of attendants, and the next day stood facing the still-moving flow of lava. Ascending an elevation immediately back of the village, she caused to be erected there a rude altar, before which she made her supplications to Pele, with offerings fed to the front of the advancing lava. This done, she descended the hill with confidence and returned to Honolulu. The stream of fire ceased to move, and today its glistening front stands like a wall surrounding Hilo. A remarkable coincidence, explained the whites. The work of Pele, whispered the natives, although the last of the temples of that goddess had been destroyed sixty years before. Without discussing the cause, a natural one beyond a doubt, it may be remarked that the result has been something of a renewal with the natives of faith in the discarded gods of their fathers. All the minor gods of the Hawaiians seem to have been independent and self-controlling. It is not claimed that they derived their powers from, were directed by, or were responsible to the supreme godhead. Hence the mythology of the Polynesians, strong though it be in individual powers and personations of the forces and achievements of nature, presents itself to us in a fragmentary form, like an incongruous patchwork of two or more half-developed or half-forgotten religious systems. One of the most noted of the independent deities of the group was Kalaipahoa, the poison goddess of Molokai. Some centuries back she came to the islands with two or three of her sisters, from an unknown land and left her mark in many localities she entered a grove of trees on the island of molokai and left in them a poison so intense that birds fell dead in flying over their branches the king of the island was advised by his high priest to have a god hewn from one of the poisoned trees hundreds of his subjects perished in the undertaking but the image was finally finished and presented to the king wrapped in many folds of kappa it came down the generations an object of fear, and was finally seized by the first Kamehameha, and at his death divided among his principal chiefs. Kuula was the principal god of the fishermen on all the islands of the group. Rude temples were erected to him on the shores of favourite fishing grounds, and the first fish of every catch was his due. His wife was Hina, and she was appealed to when her husband withheld his favours. Laiapua and Kaneapua were gods worshipped by the fishermen of Lanai, and other fish gods were elsewhere recognized. There were a number of shark and lizard gods. They were powerful and malignant, and greatly feared by the classes who frequented the sea. Hayaus were erected to them on promontories overlooking the ocean, and the offerings to them of fish and fruits were always liberal. They assumed the forms of gigantic sharks and lizards, and not unfrequently lashed the waters into fury and destroyed canoes. Moa'ali was the great shark god of Molokai and Oahu, and Apukohai and Uhumakakai were the evil gods infesting the waters of Kauai. Lono'akihi was the eel god of all the islands, and Ukanipo was the shark god of Hawaii. Among the celebrated war gods of the kings of the group was that of Kamehameha I. 
It was called Kaili or Kukaili Muku and accompanied the great chief in all of his important battles. It had been the war god of the Hawaiian kings for many generations and was given in charge of Kamehameha by his royal uncle Kalariopuu. It was a small wooden image, roughly carved and adorned with a headdress of yellow feathers. It is said that at times, in the heat of battle, it uttered cries which were heard above the clash of arms. It is not known what became of the image after the death of Kamehameha. The public heiaus or temples of the Hawaiians were usually walled enclosures of from one to five acres and generally irregular in form. The walls were frequently ten feet in thickness and twenty feet in height, and the material used was unhewn stone, without mortar or cement. They narrowed slightly from the base upward, and were sometimes capped with hewn slabs of coral or other rock not too firm in texture to be worked with tools of stone. Within this enclosure was an inner stone or wooden temple of small dimensions called a luakina, or house of sacrifice, and in front of the entrance to it stood the lele, or altar, consisting of a raised platform of stone. The inner temple was sacred to the priests. Within it stood the anu, a small wicker enclosure from which issued the oracles of the kaulas, or prophets, and around the walls were ranged charms and gods of especial sanctity. Beside the entrance to this sacred apartment were images of the principal gods, and the outer and inner walls were surrounded by lines of stone and wooden idols. The enclosure contained other buildings for the accommodation of the high priest and his assistants, also a house for the governing chief or king, some distance removed from the domiciles of the priest. It was used temporarily by him when on a visit of consultation to the temple, or as a place of refuge in a time of danger. On each side of the entrance to the outer enclosure was a taboo staff or elevated cross, and near it was a small walled structure in which were slain the victims for the altar. When the augury was required by the king, he frequently visited the Hayao in person and propounded his questions to the Kaulas. If the answers from the Anu were vague and unsatisfactory, other methods of divination were resorted to, such as the opening of pigs and fowls, the shapes of the clouds, the flights of birds, etc. After prayers by the priest, the animals were killed. The auguries were gathered from the manner in which they expired. The appearance of the intestines, which were supposed to be the seat of thought, and other signs. Sometimes the spleens of swine were removed. If auguries of war were required, and held above the heads of the priests while prayers were offered. Before engaging in war or any other important enterprise attended by doubt or danger, human and other sacrifices were made, of which there were fifteen different kinds, and the first prisoners taken in battle were reserved for the altar. The priests named the number of men required for sacrifice, and the king provided them, sometimes from prisoners and malefactors, and sometimes from promiscuous drafts along the highway. The victims were slain with clubs, without the temple walls, and their bodies, with other offerings, were laid upon the altar to decay. When the king or other high chief made a special offering of an enemy, the left eye of the victim, after the body had been brought to the altar, 
was removed and handed to him by the officiating priest. After making a semblance of eating it, the chief tossed it upon the altar. During the construction of Hayao's, human sacrifices were usually offered as the work progressed, and when completed, they were dedicated with great pomp and solemnity, and the altars were sometimes heaped with human bodies. In dedicating ordinary temples, the Kaiopokio prayer was employed, but in consecrating Hayao's of the first class, the Kuawili invocation was recited, a prayer continuing from sunrise to sunset. Oil and holy water were sprinkled upon the altars and sacred vessels, and the services were under the direction of the high priest, and generally in the presence of the governing chief. The ordinary services in the temples consisted of offerings of fruits and meats, and of chants, prayers, and responses, in which the people sometimes joined. Women did not participate in the ceremonies of the temples, but the exclusion found ample compensation in their exemption from sacrifice when human bodies were required. Temples of refuge, called Puhonuas, were maintained on Hawaii and possibly on Lanai and Oahu in the remote past, but concerning the latter there is some doubt. One of the Puhonuas on Hawaii was at Honaunau, near the sacred burial place of Hali Okiaui, and the other at Waipio, connected with the great Hayao of Pakalani. Their gates were always open, the priests guarded their entrances, anyone who entered their enclosures for protection, whether chief or slave, whether escaping criminal or warrior in retreat, was safe from molestation, even though the king pursued. These places of refuge, with the rite of circumcision, which existed until after the death of the first Kamehameha, suggest a Polynesian contract with the descendants of Abraham far back in the past, if not a kinship with one of the scattered tribes of Israel. In further evidence of the wanderings of the early Polynesians in Western and Southern Asia, and of their intercourse with the continental races, it may be mentioned that a disposition towards phallic worship, attested by tradition and existing symbols, followed them far out into the Pacific, and that connected with their story of the creation, so closely resembling the Hebrew version, is the Buddhist claim of previous creations which either ran their course or were destroyed by an offended godhead. Nor is Hawaiian tradition content with the mere advancement of the theory of successive creations. It makes specific reference to a creation next preceding that of their Kumu Honua, or Adam, and gives the names of the man and woman created and destroyed. They were Wela Ahilani and Owe. It has been mentioned that the birds Pueo and Alai were sacred and sometimes worshipped. Among the sacred fish were the Aku and Opelu. How they became so is told in a legend relating to the high priest Pao, who migrated to the islands in the 11th century and induced Pili to follow him. Before visiting Hawaii, Pao lived near his brother, probably on the island of Samoa. Both were priests and well skilled in sorcery and divination. The name of the brother was Lonopele. Both were affluent and greatly respected. Lonopele's lands were near the sea and produced the choicest varieties of fruits. One season, when the fruits were ripening, 
Lono Pele discovered that someone was surreptitiously gathering them in the night-time, and accused one of the sons of Peo of stealing them. Indignant at the charge, and discerning no better way of disproving it, Peo killed and opened his son, and showed his brother that there was no fruit in the stomach of the boy. Grieved at the death of his son, and holding his brother accountable for it, Peo concluded to emigrate to some other land, and built strong canoes for that purpose. About the time they were completed, a son of Lonopele chanced to be in the neighbourhood, and Pao, remembering the death of his own son, ordered the boy to be killed. He was missed, and search was made for him, and his body was finally found near Pao's canoes. Lonopele charged his brother with the murder. Peo did not deny it, and Lonopele ordered him to leave the island. To avoid further trouble, Peo set sail at once with a party consisting of thirty-eight persons. One tradition says Pili was of the party, but he must have left Samoa some years later, as Peo sent or went for him after reaching Hawaii. As the canoes were moving from the shore, several prophets, standing on the cliffs above, expressed a desire to join the party. "'Very well,' was the answer of Peo. "'If you are prophets, as you say, leap from the cliffs, and I will take you aboard.' Several leaped into the sea and were dashed against the rocks and drowned. Finally, Makua Kaumana, a prophet of genuine inspiration, who was to have accompanied the expedition, reached the shore and discovered the canoes of Peo far out on the ocean. Raising his voice, he hailed Pao, and asked that a canoe might be sent back for him. "'Not so,' returned the priest, in a loud voice, which the favouring winds bore to the belated prophet. "'To return would be an omen of evil. There is room for you, but if you would go with us you must fly to our canoes.' And, flying, the prophet reached the canoes in safety. Observing the canoes of Peo as they were disappearing in the distance, Lonopele sent a violent storm to destroy them, but the strong fish, Aku, assisted in propelling the canoes against the storm, and the mighty fish, Opelu, swam around them and broke the waves with his body. The malignant brother then sent the great bird, Kihahakai Wainapali, to vomit over the canoes and sink them but they were hastily covered with mats and thus escaped destruction after a long voyage peo landed in puna on the coast of hawaii thenceforth the aku and opelu were held sacred by peo and his descendants following is a list of the supreme and principal elemental industrial and tutelar deities of the hawaiian group the godhead kane the organizer Ku, the architect and builder. Lono, the executor. Kanaloa, the Lucifer or fallen angel. Rulers in the realms of Po or death. Akea, the first Hawaiian king who, after life, founded the island kingdom of Moku in the realms of Po or death. Milu, the successor of Akea, or who, according to another belief, accompanied Achaia to Po, and became the perpetual ruler of a kingdom on its western confines. Manua, 
referred to in some legends as the supreme sovereign of Po. With him abide the spirits of distinguished chiefs and priests who wander among beautiful streams and groves of cow-trees and subsist upon lizards and butterflies. Minor Celestial Deities Kayono Hiokala, the eyeball of the sun, a celestial god with an abode somewhere in the heavens, and to whose presence the departed spirits of chiefs were conducted. Kuahairo, the messenger who conducted the souls of distinguished chiefs to Keona Hiokala. Olopue, a god of Maui, who bore the spirits of noted chiefs to the celestial paradise. Kamehameha sought to secure possession of a very sacred image of this god, inherited by Kahekili, Moi of Maui. The Volcanic Deities Pele, the ruling goddess of the volcanoes, with her sisters, Hi'i'aka'wawahi, Lani, the heaven-rending cloud-holder, Makoi'i'nawahi'wa, the fire-eyed canoe-breaker, Hi'i'aka Noholani, the heaven-dwelling cloud-holder, Hi'i'aka Hoikepoli Apele, the cloud-holder kissing the bosom of Pele, Hi'i'aka Kapu Eneina, the red-hot mountain-lifting clouds, Hi'i'aka Kaliaya, the wreath-encircled cloud-holder, Hi'i'aka Opio, the young cloud-holder and their brothers, Kamo Ho'ali'i, or King Moho, the king of vapour or steam. Kapo Ho'i'ka Hi'ola, god of explosions. Keuakipo, god of the night rain, or rain of fire. Kane Kahili, the husband of thunder, or thundering god. Keuahi Kamakawa, the fire-thrusting child of war. The last two were hunchbacks. Akua Pao, the war god of Pao, taken from the temple of Manini by Umi. Kukaili Moku, the war god of Kamehameha I, bequeathed to him by Kalaniopu. Deities of the elements. Laamaoamao, god of the winds, the Hawaiian Aeolus, whose home was on Molokai. Hinakuluai. A goddess of the rain, Hinakiali and Hookui Pile, sisters of Hinakuluai, Mualio, a powerful gnome of Lanai, conquered by Kaululau, a prince of Maui, Kula, a god of the fishermen, Hina, wife of Kula, Laiapua and Kaniapua, gods of the fishermen of Lanai. Hinahele and her daughter, Aiaikula, goddesses of the fishermen of Hawaii. Ukanipo, the great shark god of Hawaii. Mu'aali, the principal shark god of Molokai and Oahu. Lonoakiki, the great eel god of all the group. Apukohai and Ahumakaikai evil shark or fish gods of Kauai. gods of the arts and industries aqua ula the god of inspiration 
Haulili, a god of speech, special to Kauai. Koliamoku, the deified chief who first learned the use of herbs and the art of healing from the gods. He was a patron of the kahunas. Olonopuha and Makanuailoni, deified disciples of Koliamuku. Kaanahua, the second son of the high priest Luahumoi, and Kukau, gods of the husbandman. Lakakane, god of the hula and similar sports. Mokuali, god of the canoe makers. Hai, god of the kappa making. Ulau Lakayaki, god of distillation. Kalaipahoa, a goddess who entered the poisoned trees. Kapo and Pua, sisters of Kalaipahoa, with like functions. Kama, a powerful tutelar god of all the islands. Lauli, the god who made inviolable laws. Kuahana, the god who killed men wantonly. Leleioo, the god who inflicted bodily pain. Lelehukaha, wife of Leleio. Lie, a goddess of the mountains who braided lays. Maikahulipu, the god who assisted in writing upset canoes. Pahokaa, a god living in precipitous places and who rolled down stones to the fright and injury of passers. Kioleoa, a god worshipped in the heiaus of Maui. Kiha, a goddess of Maui, held in great reverence. Uli, the god of the sorcerers. Pekuku, a powerful god of Hawaii. Lonoi Kiauali, a god worshipped in the heiaus of Oahu. Kawakahi, a god of Maui and Molokai. Hiaka, a mountain god of Kauai. Kapo and Kapua, and several others, messengers of the gods. Uli, the god appealed to by the kahunas in praying people to death. Malu, any deified deceased chief. Akua Noho, gods possessing the spirits of departed mortals, of which there were many. Kihawahine and Kalo, noted deities of the class of Akua Noho. Mahulu, a name common to three gods in the temples of Lono. Manu, the names of two gods at the outer gates of Hayaus dedicated to Lono. Puea, the god worshipped in the darkness. Kaloanuuno Honionio, one of the principal gods of the Loakina, or sacrificial house of the temple. Kanenuhiakia, a general name for a class of thirteen gods connected with the larger Hayaus. End of chapter two.